Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we are back with a what promises to be a lackluster review of Metastasis, the uh, Spanish language version of Breaking Bad. Yeah, more more on that later. <laughs> yeah, we have some stuff to uh, some some cool Breaking Bad stuff to pimp first, though, right? Yeah, I definitely want to talk about recent developments in the ABQ Breaking Bad fan fest uh, that our buddies Jenny and Miguel are putting on. We're going out there. We got a bunch of stuff going on. We're going to be super excited. Hosting, Sounds like it's going to be a great time. Hosting two panels, one at the cast. You know, most of those guys we've been talking about it for weeks now. Uh, Max Arseniega. Uh, who's Crazy 8, Charles Baker, a.k.a. Skinny Pete, Lewis and Daniel Mansada, the cousins. Uh, Mancada? Mancada? I, I think it's Mancada. Well, God knows I would not be. I, I, I got to learn how to pronounce before I meet him face-to-face because I do not want yeah. them to hurt me. Uh, <laughs> Jeremiah Bitsui uh, as Victor and, of course, Stephen Michael Cazeta as uh, Agent Gomez. It's going to be a VIP after party where some of these folks are going to be showing up and mingling. Uh, there's not very many VIP tickets left. You also get uh, uh, there's a couple, I think, a few slots left on the Breaking Bad RV tours that they're going to be running. Uh, check out their website at abqbreakingbadfest.com. Uh, you can also find them on facebook.com/breakingbadfest. They got a r- lot of really cool information in the wining and dining section and stuff to see. They've got a lot of the classic Breaking Bad restaurants and sets featured. Uh, some really cool stuff that they've worked out uh, for people that are ticket holders. Uh, Uber, the what did you call that? Crowdsource, do it yourself cab company. Yeah, the internet cab company. An alternative to taxis. Yeah, they would probably loathe for me to call them an internet uh, taxi company. But they're giving away thirty bucks worth of free rides to general admission ticket holders to help you get around the ABQ. Fifty Sweet. bucks if you're a very important person ticket oh, holder. Oh damn. Uh, they're also looking for volunteers. If you'd like to help them out, you can get on the Breaking Bad Fest at gmail.com. To drive for Uber? Volunteering? No, no, no. For just oh. general con help. Okay. Uh, Gardunos, which is the restaurant that features prominently in the second half of season five. There's some tableside guacamole made. I don't want to spoil Sweet. anything for the for the virgin listeners. The doghouse, baby. They're... Not, not, wait, wait, you're, you're fucking up my promo, man. <laughs> Sorry. Gardunos is offering 15% off of everyone's food bill uh, for ticket holders that weekend. So go and oh, yeah. uh, swap some DVDs and get some guacamole made, uh, 15% off. And uh, yeah, also, the doghouse is real. It's open, it serves hot dogs. Yep. Definitely going to get one of those suckers for myself. I hear the chili is spicy. So Ooh. if you're not into spicy, stay I'm getting, away from the chili. I'm get, I want an extra chili pee. On my chili dog. <laughs> okay. uh, we're going to be hanging out there all weekend. There's a lot of st- cool stuff to see and do. Uh, we're getting pretty excited for it. It's November 7th and 8th. I hope you uh, get a chance to join us out there. I have costume contests. There's going to be a trivia contest. Fe- uh, figures to be a lot of fun. Definitely. So once again, uh, uh, as always, I'm going to put these links in the show notes. Uh, but you can find out more information at abqbreakingbadfest.com or facebook.com slash breakingbadfest. All right. Cool. So why have we failed the listeners, Jim? Why did we not give them what we promised in a, a season one, episode one review of Metastasis? You know, I'm not going to say that we failed them. I think the Internet has failed them. The North American Free Trade Agreement has failed us all. Yes. Uh, apparently, episode one through like episode 57 are 
unavailable on the internet. You cannot watch this show. Period. You can't watch the show. Not not so. You can't buy it. You can't pirate it. You can't stream it. Nothing. So we went to Hulu. Hulu's got the last four episodes, and mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, Hulu Plus. Okay, I'll log into Hulu Plus. I got a bonus one episode. <laughs> the crazy thing is, they filmed it all from it's the all pilot done. to Ozzy Mandeus to Feline is in the can and broadcast. So either season one on these things is a misnomer or they're just going to wing it on season two. They're just going to take the extended story of nah, this is, that's, Breaking Bad and run with it. Nah, they're, they're, but it's weird. So they, they shot it all within a year and they released it all within a couple of months. Shocking. And we, I mean, we try to legitimately buy it because that's always our first preference. But we're like, fuck it. We're going to go through the Bay of Pirates. Yeah. Strike out. We're going to go to Max Torrance. Strike out. I could iTunes, not find this anywhere. Amazon, nowhere. You I tried can't to buy it on DVD. I tried to scam a Univision account, try to bullshit my <laughs> way through it. I'm, because I, I think maybe you might be able to watch a couple mm. episodes there. But man, we tried everything. I pointed my satellite at the Telemundo satellite. <laughs> Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. So I don't know what to do. Uh, so what I'm hoping is that they'll have it all available on iTunes or Amazon or something, you know, by the time we start up season two and we can get that, uh, first episode in, I will say that I watched a six minute trailer that kind of showed the highlights. I was really super impressed at how well it all translated. So you've you've seen the first episode. So am I I right? Am I right? Or am I selling it high? So I think you're probably right. The stuff that I saw felt like Breaking Bad um, to to a large degree. Uh, it didn't feel like the the cheap version of Breaking Bad, honestly. The production values it, and and quality of acting that I saw on these yeah. big moments, like you know, this, especially I was shocked to see uh, you know a couple seconds of Peekaboo. Uh-huh. which that'll mean something if you've seen season two. And I was like, wow, that actually looked impressive. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that it's like a necessarily a worse version of Breaking Bad. Um, it, it is a different version. It is a localized version of Breaking Bad. So while I was watching it, I felt very much like I didn't kind of understand the the acting choices, I guess. Mm. But I could tell that it was like, probably acceptable and probably really good if you were from the region that this was aimed for hmm. this was targeted to of course i've only seen the trailer i actually think you might be underselling it because uh especially it, it the just leads felt, it felt off to me as far as even the leads acting really but but i think i, I think that's only because i'm used to american acting that could be i think it's a very different thing when you're talking about other regions uh, you know, because you take like American acting from the fifties, it's a super different thing right. than modern American acting. Yeah. So, so I before they like, discovered method acting. Yeah. I feel like there are localization things that happen in acting as well, but there's definitely localization things that happen in, uh, the story. Like Walt's birthday party is a, is a very different beast. It has pinatas. It has people playing like a live band, I think playing Mexi- band, Mexican yeah. music. Mm-hmm. Um, or Spanish music of some kind. So it is very localized, um, but I still think it's it's probably really good. Yeah, the, the stars uh, Walter Blanco, 
Uh-huh. And his uh-huh. wife, uh, Cielo Blanco. Uh, uh-huh. Jose Miguel Rosas is Jesse Pinkman. Right. That's the actual character's name. Yeah. Uh, I thought that what was really funny is uh, Saul Goodman's character, mm-hmm. Saul Bueno. Saul Bueno. <laughs> Which, that it's interesting that they went with the Bueno because... Maybe Saul, I don't know, maybe that does actually mean it's all good. Because the Saul Goodman is uh, is a reference on Saul Good, man. Yeah. So I wonder if that actually works in Spanish as well. Maybe. It might. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of jazzed to see it. I'm not going to watch the whole thing. I was really yeah. trying to press the case of, like, let's just watch Ozymandias. Fuck it. We know how everything but ends. But how do we talk about that on right. a season one wrap-up? That's, that's, that's what finally it's like. You can't, you know, you're going to have it all in the spoiler section. And then it eventually will become available. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, it's like all you people across the world who, like, email me your frustrations about the inability to get, like, <laughs> Game of Thrones and sure. and Walking Dead and Breaking Bad in real time. I felt like all of that. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I live in America. I have high-speed internet. I have the God-given right to watch whatever fucking entertainment I want whenever I want it. Nope, nope. Nope, apparently not. So uh, I got a little taste of taste of that uh, first-world problem medicine. Did not taste sure. good. But, but apparently, like, I can't see anywhere on the internet that you could even watch this thing so if you didn't watch it real time like it, it's not a it's not a language barrier it's, thing it's just not fucking there well i think that if you do have like univision it's kind of like you know Is you, it, do they have on-demand stuff like if you have hbo yeah and you're in a t- you're in a uh, network that participates in the hbo Go program you can log in and say i'm from time warner and here's yeah. my account there was something on that on univision Oh, there where is. you could drop down okay. and say, here's my provider. And that's why I was trying because it's like, well, All Verizon right. Wireless is kind of the same as Verizon Espanol. So, nah. I mean, no, it's, yeah. uh-uh. it's like, get out of here, gringo. Yeah. Okay. So we tried, but we failed ultimately. Hopefully it will be, uh, be able to come back season two. And again, there was some shock and outrage that we're making people wait uh, an, an entire month. But we're just way too busy in October to to get this stuff in. So sure. probably come back earlier than later in November, but sometime in November, sometime four to six weeks from now, we will be returning for season two. And that'll run us all the way up through probably late January, early February, about the time yeah. uh, breaking uh, Walking Dead. We'll probably take another hiatus after then. Oh, yeah, they're going to hate that hiatus. Yeah, no shit, because we, we got The Walking Dead, and we probably – doing justified and hannibal and maybe hannibal and uh yeah mad men the final season and game of thrones it'll be crazy as soon as that's all wrapped up uh that'll probably be our summertime project to do season three yep so that is a whole bunch of excuses advertising and other bullshit uh let's get to some (laughs) content shall we nah Got a couple of feedbacks. I uh, got two non-spoiler takes and then a kind of interesting take in spoilers that we'll have for the fans have seen everything. Okay. Lauren R. Oh, oh, sorry. Paul W. says, enjoying your revisit of Breaking Bad from the beginning. It's like re-experiencing a show. In reference to No Rough Stuff type deal, the title, I'm sure your other listeners have mentioned this by now, but the title is a reference to a line spoken by William H. Macy in Fargo which he brags he knew without even having to reference Wikipedia. Hmm. I feel like a total asshole since we just covered Fargo. Is that... Paul's bidding for it to be our new Fargo file for next season. So so is he claiming that that was like... That he's heard like an interview with Villigan who said like this is a reference directly? Or is he 
just inferring that. He's inferring it. Okay. I know. I, he, at least he gives I'm no evidence. I'm not saying it's invalid. I'm just saying. Well, uh, the thing is, is I know that the Villigan loves his pop culture. Sure. He loves making references to other uh, movies and, and television shows and music and everything as titles. So I, bu- I just bought it with that question. Okay. He says, although I don't think it's spoken in the episode, it's a perfect parallel to the events continuing on their downward spiral in both stories. Walter White and Jerry Lundegaard and their stories are a whole are remarkably similar in some ways. I think the writers were calling this out a little bit. The big difference, of course, is that Walter White is much smarter than Jerry. <laughs> but the title is calling out, in my opinion, that Walt has finally reached the point of no return. Perhaps the Crazy Eight could be covered up and his other transgressions, too. But with this episode and its title, the viewer knows that, like in Fargo, no matter what happens from here on out, it's not going to end well for most of the folks involved. Mm. You buy that? You buy the Fargo connection here? Do you buy the parallels between uh, Jerry Lundegaard and Walter White? I think there are definitely parallels there, yeah. I don't know if this is the point of no return. Uh, I got an interesting – that kind of dovetails nicely with the spoiler email. So if you want to hear us talk about that for a bit, join us after the music. Uh, Also, we have uh, Lauren R. Writing in said, I'm a huge fan and should preface this possibly angry sounding email by saying I love everything you do. Oh, boy. And I'm increasing the TV I watch just so I can be part of more of your listening, watching communities. I'm so glad you're doing a Breaking Bad rewatch. It's been great. Can you can you hear that incoming? Uh But (laughs) that said, I've had this comment rolling around in my head for a couple weeks. And even though it's a little late, I have to share it. I'm calling bullshit on the Walt sympathy and gray matter. You both, and my partner, and other listeners, and apparently everyone but me, seem totally taken in by Walt's I-never-made-an-authentic-decision crap. Sure, I agree with you that he probably has made some decisions that weren't entirely authentic, but who hasn't? I deeply believe that focusing on his lack of decision-making in his own life is Walt's way of ignoring or denying the fact that when he makes decisions, he makes bad fucking decisions. Leaving gray matter. A terrible decision that seemed in no way coerced. Turning down the help from Elliot. Terrible decision that he didn't have to make. Cooking meth. At least he owns up to that one, but it's still a terrible decision. Saying he hasn't made authentic decisions is just Walt's way of casting blame on the rest of the world for his inability or unwillingness to act on his own and to deny that he's been made bad choices when he has taken definitive action. Perhaps it's a question of what is an authentic decision, really? One would assume that his pursuit of chemistry, given how much he loves it, was an authentic decision, Did he not feel like choosing chemistry was authentic because he just gravitated towards it and it just happened? Does that make it any less true to who he is or would he really have chosen differently if he came to the crossroads and had to choose? Maybe I'm just a terrible person for not feeling extra sympathy for someone who probably could have made better decisions along the way but just didn't. Also, it probably makes me unreasonably angry that everyone seems to swallow that excuse hook, line, and sinker. Well, tell us how you really feel there, Lauren. (laughs) Jim, what are your thoughts? Um, I see where she's coming from, definitely. And I think a lot of the reason that we identify so much with Walter here when he says that he's never made a decision is um, kind of our backgrounds mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, uh, I, we both, I think, got railroaded in by birth into something that we were not given a choice over. Um, so when Walt says he doesn't feel like his life has been a, full of his own decisions, I identify with that because right. I got stuck with what my parents wanted me to get stuck with. And to a degree, everyone does. Right. Yeah. Um, it, and, and as far as like Walt making his own bad decisions, I agree 
uh, mostly. I think he probably doesn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's right that he's just giving that excuse. But also, I, I don't know the exact circumstances that with Gretchen and Elliot and how Grey Matter and him kind of fell out. We get kind of glimpses at it, sure. but we don't get the actual circumstances. He very much might have not felt like he had a choice right. in doing what he did. Right. Um, and then, you know, he he might have had a kid that he didn't necessarily plan for. Sure. Um, and, and he didn't want to be a high school teacher, chemistry teacher, obviously. He sure. got railroaded into that somehow. So somewhere along the way, he has not been able, he has stopped being able to make his own decisions. Now, you could say, yes, his bad decisions led to that, but at some point, he stopped, he ignored his bad decisions. No, and I, so what you're referring to, because one thing I'm consciously aware of, or becoming aware of, is not everybody listens to all of our shows, surprise, surprise, and we make references to some things that we don't necessarily follow up on, and others, and people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? So just to save all the comments and emails, Uh just referring to, we're both raised as Jehovah's Witnesses, which we both consider a fundamentalist cult. Yeah. And the problem with that is that, you know, again, we didn't have any choice and we were raised in a way that not only not only railroaded us into certain decisions and life paths that are far from mainstream, mm-hmm. uh, but also deprived us of some of the tools necessary to even be self-aware of that situation and yeah. question it. And then once you become self-aware, you also become self-aware of the fact that it has inhibited your your future ability to make decisions like Walt's saying here. Yeah. And, and and I can't speak for everybody. Um, but you know, when I came to the realization and got out of that, and as a result of that, I lost nearly all of my family and all of my friend circles. Yep. It's a lot like facing death. And at that next summer was when breaking bad debuted. And I was just like amazed at how empathetic I felt towards Walter. Now, a lot of that's projection. I think you made a lot of good points here. The Definitely. other thing is, yeah. my dad did. He reminds me a lot of Walt, and he had a similar situation where he had bigger plans for himself. Yeah. Uh, him, him, and my mother had a, a different way that they wanted life to go. They, I got, they got pregnant with me ahead of schedule, and dad, yeah. because he bought into a lot of the patriarchal patriarchal bullshit in this country decided he had to quit school and take a job that was not on his path to provide so my mother wouldn't have to work yeah yeah again i don't think my mom put a gun to his head mm-hmm. i don't think she nagged him into that maybe you know there again there's a lot of cultural things but i feel like i saw my dad take the walter white path yeah. and i could relate on that level too because i've said many times that my dad in speaking mannerisms and the kind of way he is reminds me a lot of walter white which probably sounds more <laughs> frightening than it really is a little bit yeah so you, you know his meth cooking habits also <laughs> bad news but you know I, so so when i you know I, I strongly identify with the fact that for the first quarter century of my life i felt like i made no authentic decisions yeah, and same here. then when i woke up um i kind of dedicated my life to a more positive path. But now you're still handicapped by not having the tools to make proper decisions. But not only that, but think I'm thinking like, what would I have done if just as I had realized, oh shit, my life has been bullshit to this now, I got a diagnosis that I'm going to die of cancer in six months. Yeah, now I have what made, a waste you feel like it's been. Would I have made the same healthy decisions or would I have been like, fuck it? 
I'm sure. I'm taking on as much of the world as I can on or with me or whatever. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but I think fair question. that kind of heart of darkness that, you know, and I think that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of men out there to kind of identify that, probably a lot of women. Um, there are a lot of, you know, the American dream, whether sure. you that's kind of like wrapped up in there too. I was going to say, I think everyone has felt this way at some point. There's a whole uh, generation. Life, that's life gr- hands you decisions that you don't get to make. Yeah. Uh, for everyone. And even if, even people who are wildly successful in life, and sure. Billionaires with every advantage in the world. Now they're still going to feel like this from time to time. Yeah. So, so a guy who has not the greatest family relationship and has just been diagnosed with cancer, uh, I can see him looking back and saying, I never made any of these choices. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a whole generation of people that are, you know, went to the whole, well, if you keep your nose clean and you go to a good school and you work hard, then your things will work out for you. And they're getting out of school. Retirement accounts have been wiped out. Or they're the young, there's young people, six figure debts and they're working as uh, baristas. It's like, yeah. So again, don't fucking cook meth. And lie to your family and all that stuff. <laughs> sure, yeah. but I think that kind of existential. Oh God, what am I doing? It does does appeal, and I think that's why. Yeah. you know, I don't want to make excuses. I think he's a great guy, but that's definitely season one. Walter White, I think, spoke to me, and that's kind of where I'm coming from when I say that. Yep, me too. So, uh, that's all we got for non spoiler. We'll have a, a little bit of uh, non, or we'll have a little bit of spoiler take here in a bit. I uh, just want to mention that uh, you know last week we started our uh, Patreon campaign that you can get to at patreon.com slash baldmove. Of course, you can always go to baldmove.com and go to the support page to find out all the ways you can support us. Mm-hmm. But it's been uh, really successful. We raised uh, uh, 200 bucks in the first week. Uh, and they just want to let you guys know that the first milestone that unlocks when we get to the $500 level are forums. Yeah. And we've got really cool ideas for that. I think it's a really neat thing that's going to be uh, something for the whole community to enjoy. There's a, we have a lot of really popular, rollicking Facebook threads. Mm-hmm. And the really cool thing about the forum software that we're going to be using, um, that it's kind of quite expensive, but it's awesome, is that it directly integrates to Facebook. So you won't need a new yeah, account yeah. if you're already participating in those threads. If there's something that we are not talking about and you want to talk about, you can create your own thread. And also, it doesn't have to integrate with Facebook for the people who yeah. are not interested in having their Facebook information on the forums. Yes. You don't have to. You can just sign up. Right. Uh, the other awesome thing about that is it's going to allow me to interact with Facebook people, which yeah. I get so rarely. Yeah. That's uh, been my corner. Yeah. Yeah, it has. And Twitter is not really the place for a detailed conversation. Sure. So I feel like I haven't been able to converse with our audience as much as I wanted to. So I'm super excited about the forums. Uh, it's also going to unlock, you know, some of the higher level stuff we're going to be doing as far as you know community driven content. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. And if you uh, want to get in on that, there's a lot of interesting access levels for number one. Um, there's an access level that you uh, get get a, a no ad feed, so you yeah. wouldn't even be hearing me drone on and on and stutter. And we are in the process of setting that up. Yeah, we should have that. Some of this stuff is going to be going in beta uh, next week, so we'll probably mm-hmm. you know be contacting the people, um, and uh, we're going to have some live podcast uh, recordings where we're actually on video, so you can watch us record it and hear it in real time. We're going to have some other interesting access uh, and special content opportunities. Uh, check it out on patreon.com slash baldmove. We have not forgot Subbable. 
Uh, our next thing we're going to be turning our attention to is uh, getting a way to uh, have uh, people be able to pool their money together to get the uh, 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 commission podcast, which has been wildly popular. We've done, I don't know how many we've done, like eight or nine in uh, just a few months. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. That's where people can have us watch any two hours-ish of audio video entertainment, and we will give it the bald move treatment. <laughs> They're home videos. They're going to send them over. <laughs> I got uh, my piano recital from when I was six years old. That's the thing. I've been pleasantly surprised. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be that... We have a pretty discerning audience. Because, But, but you and I... If we were in the listener's shoes, we would have fucked with them. We would have been like, oh, definitely. watch this terrible thing mm-hmm. and and try to come up with something interesting, like <laughs> torture. You know, I don't know that I would spend $250 to make that happen, though, <sighs> just to fuck with somebody. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's true. That's, that, that's, but if uh, I have something I really want to hear their opinion on, definitely I would. Okay, you're, you're probably right. That does limit the, the who's going to If it was to. free, yeah, people would be fucking with us all the time. Sure, sure. So anyway, uh, you can do, find that at subbable.com and, again, go to baldmove.com and click on a support link to find all the different ways. We've added a bunch. You know, like I said, all you crypto nerds can check out. We're accepting Bitcoins now. Yeah. You can give us some, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, kat- kat- T- Satoshis? Satoshis. Yeah. You can throw a few Satoshis our way. <laughs> Another thing is, this might be our last Breaking Bad episode for a while, but we still got a lot of stuff coming out. We've got, on a weekly basis, uh, Boardwalk Empire, final season. We're about halfway through that. I've been having a lot of fun uh, covering a, the last season. One of the more entertaining podcasts that me uh, me personally, I feel like we're doing. Uh, we've got the Gotham Blotter. Our buddies, Eric and Jesse from Personal Arrogance, are joined by another member of the J Conspiracy, Eli. Not Eve, Jesus, Eli. Eli. I got Boardwalk on the brain. Levi <laughs> uh, are doing uh, a podcast on the new uh, Fox series Gotham, the pre-Batman Begins Batman. Batman not started. Batman just barely conceived. Uh, I saw the first episode. Um, Batman with parents. And I think the guys are doing a great job covering that with us or for us. Not Jim and I, but again... We really like these dudes. We think they're doing a great job. You can also, I'll be starting up the American Horror Freak Show podcast with my gal pal Cecily. Uh, that comes out on the 8th of October, and we'll have the podcast out a couple days later. What else we got going on? We got the Bald Move TV show. It's about uh, bi-weekly where we talk about TV news and what we're watching, yep. kind of catch everybody up. We got one other thing. Our friend Kelly, Anakin. From Up Yours Downstairs, a sister podcast on the Bald Move Network. They cover up uh they cover Downton Downton Abbey and amongst other Edwardian titles. I'm actually going to be joining them, I think, in November. Uh in their off season, they review uh Edwardian era movies. I'm gonna be doing uh, Lawrence of Arabia, one of my favorites with Tom and Kelly. She just released a 20-minute comedy album on Bandcamp this last week. We did a little interview with her. There's a little 30, 40-second preview of her act. Uh, check it out, listen to it, and uh, you can uh, find out uh, – you can go and purchase the album if you want and preview, uh, I think, a four- or five-minute segment of it on kellyanakin.bandcamp.com. That link will be in the show notes. That's all I got. You can get in touch with this on facebook.com slash baldmove, on Twitter at baldmove, or, of course, you can always email us about the show, breakinggood at baldmove.com. Let's get to the spoiler music. Sounds good. My husband's persistent. He's persistent. He's crafty. Much like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. You know, he's short, thinning hair, bug eyes. He gave me a ring. 
Very crafty. He's got his parents. My in-laws are into this whole baby-having scam. Every time they call me, Kelly, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? (laughs) Which is just rude. I would never call them up at their house and lead off with, when are you going to (laughs) die? Sure that eventually both of our dreams will come true. Joining us now is uh, Kelly Anakin. She's one of our sisters on the Ball That Move Network. You and your husband hold down the Edwardian England corner on the ball, <laughs> in, in the Ball Move Empire. Uh, we gave that a whole corner. What are, what are you doing? It's it's a it's a raucous corner. You don't want to fuck with the Edwardian corner. That's true. They'll go World War One on your ass and kill like twenty one million people, and then when that's not enough, Spanish influenza. Yeah, it's not yeah. to be it's, fucked with. You know, it's uh, it's an underserved market. Uh, the reason we're having you on today is because you did something very cool, very exciting, and we like support the Ball Move family wherever we can, and that is release an independent comedy album. That I did. Did you talk about the what what kind of um, the inception of this idea, and maybe give mm-hmm. your uh, your your comedy credentials? Why you feel like you're qualified to make people laugh? <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, uh, I've been doing stand up comedy for about six years at this point. I started back in 2008. And uh, I was terrible for about three years, and then I got good. And then I got a job at Pandora Radio uh, from the internet. I do a lot of our, what we call curation. So I'm in charge of finding albums to purchase, getting them in the system, and queuing them up for our analysts so that they can go ahead and assign those values. Part of that is also trying to convince comedians to record material specifically for Pandora. And I've been kicking around the idea of, of releasing something myself uh, for a couple of years, just because I wanted to sort of see what the, the artist point of view experiences of Pandora. I'm very much of the opinion you should never ask someone to do something that you aren't willing to do yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to release something so that when I ask people to record stuff, you know, I know what this process is so I can relate on an artist level as well as sort of this, you know, soulless corporate level. Um, I know that the, there's some, there's, you know, listening to your material, uh, there's a lot of things that you're kind of edgy. You've got a lot of funny material, but you've talked a lot about your relationship with your family and religion. Uh, there's one in particular about an experience with a miscarriage that I was like, oh, God, watching a high wire act. And, you know, when you successfully navigated it to funny to funny material, it was the same kind of, you know, relief you feel when the person makes it to the other side of the platform and you're like, clap, applause. <laughs> so that was my experience as a, as a listener, as a male listener. What is it like to be up there and talking about stuff that could be controversial or personal? Upset? Is that is that something that is, is a real fear as a comedian or does? Yeah, I mean. That joke in particular, um, I wrote in, what year was that? I think it was 2011, possibly. Or no, 2012. Um, I say, in, you know, on the album, I say it happened this year, but it actually happened a couple years ago. And I was in this place where I wasn't sure if I should still keep doing comedy and if I should just kind of focus on the other parts of my career. And I unexpectedly uh, got pregnant and then just as unexpectedly lost the pregnancy. And that joke was sort of the joke that got me recommitted to comedy. Mm. So that joke is very special to me just because I'd never heard anybody talk about it before. I had never heard any, 
any comedian anywhere really talk about a miscarriage. I mean, you'll hear people talk about, you know, pregnancy and childbirth, and they'll talk about abortion even. But miscarriage is so taboo. It's so weirdly taboo considering how often it happens. Because, I mean, we didn't really, you know, we hadn't announced the pregnancy, so we didn't really have to announce the miscarriage. But when I was talking with friends of mine, female friends, just finding out the sheer number of them who'd had a miscarriage or know someone who has, I was like, somebody should be making us laugh about this. This is a terrible experience. And, you know, I don't write edgy stuff to be edgy. I write about what interests me, and I thought that was an interesting experience that I wanted to share. And I mean, you know, depending on the, the situation, you kind of have to read the room because some rooms are going to be more supportive of that kind of thing than others. But I mean, I just had an incredible experience with telling that joke, you know, people just coming up to me and being like, oh, my God, I had a miscarriage. Thank you so much for talking about that. And it's such a great feeling when you see how much people are connecting with the material. And I think, you know, the edgy stuff, I just find that more exciting. I mean, I think, you know, anybody can talk about the more banal stuff. And I do. I talk about McDonald's. You know, that's pretty low-hanging fruit. Um, but it's just the more personal a joke can be, I think the the greater the potential is for it to be funny. So there's a lot of jokes on in here that, you know, talk about religion and, and the miscarriage, but also you have a, a, a lot of really funny and insightful takes on being a woman in 21st century America and overall arc of uh, feminism. How has that influenced your comedy? You know, again, in the same way that, you know, I write jokes about being a woman in the same way that I write jokes about or jokes that could be construed as edgy because that's my life. And I'm, I'm a woman every day, uh, never taking a day off. And I think feminism is very important. But I think in stand-up in particular, the longer that I've been kind of immersed in that culture, you see what a male-dominated space it is, just in terms of sort of who gets work and who's running the clubs and who the agents are. And a lot of times it's just like people really just don't think about it. And there's so few female comics for reasons that have been discussed in other places. But I mean, this year alone, only 8% of the albums that have been released are by a solo female comedian. And I'm not totally sure why women don't record as much as men, but they don't. And so I wanted to kind of hopefully, you know, be a a little bit of an inspiration, you know, and it's not like I'm famous or anything. This isn't going to have this huge impact, but at least kind of adding my voice to this pool. When people ask me what my shtick is, which don't ever ask a comedian what their shtick is because it's not, you know, the borscht belt anymore. (laughs) Um, But I generally tell people I talk about girl shit. I, (laughs) my, my personal sort of approach is, okay, I'm going to write jokes as if it didn't matter what any man thought of them. And which isn't to say, you know, I've got plenty of jokes that really appeal a lot to men. Like I, you know, my Star Wars material, my Lord of the Rings stuff. And a lot of men really like what I do. They're just not the intended audience. And I also have this sketch group and uh, nonprofit organization called Semikazi that's dedicated to creating opportunities for women in comedy as well as cultivating that female audience because I think that audience has never been looked at as, you know, anything in comedy. Um, they're not they're not heavily pursued. And we basically had that same philosophy to all the sketches that we would do. And you could see in the audience and you could hear when they laughed. Just it, it's like this relief that comes out for women when somebody has really considered their perspective and it's not all targeted at 18 to 24 year old males. So I just, I really want that to be more prevalent and for more women to feel confident about entering the field and, you know, speaking to our experience. Cause I think comedy is so powerful. It's such a powerful way to talk about, 
humanity and to talk about society. And I think it's just kind of been, you know, dominated by this single perspective for so long. And I just want to see more perspectives and more interesting female comedy coming out of it. Well, again, thanks for coming on. And can you tell the listeners where they can get this album? If you just go to com, you can click through to the Bandcamp page there. And it is only $3, although it is open-ended. If you want to give me more money, I will absolutely take it. <laughs> Don't have a problem with more money. All right. Uh, I will no, link... never a problem with more money. We'll link that also to the show notes and the podcast we're including the interview on. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for uh, telling people about this album. You can find uh, Kelly's podcast on baldmove.com. She has Up Yours Downstairs. You guys are doing uh, starting some instant casts for the UK release of Downton Abbey. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time. Yep. Lots of audible high fives yep. on the podcast. Once again, you can find Kelly's album on her website, Kelly, K E L L Y, Anakin, A N N E ken.com for your convenience i'll link this in the show notes check it out it's really funny and we'll talk to you later sounds great and we're back with spoiler section what do you want to talk about you got an email yeah, I do. Uh, let me scroll past Lauren R. here and get to Rebecca H. from B-Town, Indiana. B-Town? Bloomington? Fe- Bloomington. Fellow Hoosier. Right, Hoosier gal. Cool. Hey, guys. Uh, loving to rewatch with you guys. I have a question like you to ponder for the season one wrap-up show. One thing that occurred to me this season was to wonder what Hank's reaction would have been if he'd found out about Walt's activities this season. Obviously, for the sake of the show, he couldn't <laughs> find out this early, but hypothetically speaking... Would he have had the same reaction that he had in season five? My personal take is no. At this point in the show, Hank doesn't know about the monster that is Heisenberg. Of course, we've met Heisenberg, but the death and destruction and evil that he brings is still a thing of the future. If Hank discovered Walt's secret while Hank was still capable of seeing him as his bumbling, desperate, and cancer-stricken brother-in-law, would he still have been hell-bent on bringing Walt down? He would have been furious, of course, but I think he would have seen it as a stupid, foolish action of a desperate and dying man, which would help stop and sweep under the rug for the sake of Skyler and Walt Jr. Just by two cents, what do you guys think? Start with you, Jim, because I've got a pretty strong feeling about this. I think Rebecca might be right. She might be right about how Hank would approach this. I think Hank probably would. (laughs) Hank takes him down to Wendy in his truck and uh, introduces him and says, Hey, this is going to ha- this is how you're going to turn out. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I, I think that's probably right. I think Hank is, is not going to react as severely when his family's not in danger yet. Yeah. I mean, you think about the difference between season one, Walter and season five, Walter, it's crazy. Like, he's blown up a nursing home. He's blow, blown up a laundromat. He's engaged in an intentional car wreck. Cold-blooded murder. Cold-blooded murder. He's an implicated murder of a child. Uh, attempted murder, arguably, of another one. He directly... as a, he, he got Hank almost murdered himself mm-hmm. in one minute. And that's the thing it seems like that really, if you think about his first confrontation with Heisenberg in the garage... The thing where he really lost his cool 
was when he's like, you know, you faked a phone call from my wife. Yep. Um, to to throw me off the trail. He's just furious at all of the bullshit and lies that this guy's done. That's not. I, I you see what he did when he found out Walt was uh, smoking pot. Uh, clearly. Hank has a uh, a very much uh, higher disdain for Crystal. Yeah. But also you kind of wonder, does he feel a little responsible for that? Like bragging about the bust and taking him on the ride mm, along and looking at maybe. how much money you can make. And, oh, yeah, it's chemistry. And, and and also, what does that do to Walt? If Walt's busted, does Hank throw him in? Does Hank prosecute him fully, put him in jail? I feel like he wouldn't. I, I don't know. Hank is a very different guy at the beginning of this series as well. I mean, the the jokester, cool uncle Hank mm-hmm. is in season one is not the guy we have in season five. I mean, he's I feel, yeah, a little more world weary, a little more, a little more Mike than season one Hank. As right? no small favor from Heisenberg himself. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Walt's fifty percent of the reason he's got that way. Yeah. Uh, turtle on a head being the other fifty percent. <laughs> Uh, you know, think about it, Hank, because cause Marie, what's Marie going to be saying? Uh, you're going to throw my wife, my sister's husband in jail when he's got my six months to live. Sister's my husband. sister, yes. You're going to reprive Walt Jr. of his father for the six months he's got left. Walt's an Gosh. idiot. He was just scared, blah, blah, blah. I think that maybe that scares Walt straight. That like I, yeah, you, I was gonna you, you say, got blown up. You got caught, dude. Yep. Fucking take the deal from Elliot before it's too late. I was gonna say that that would probably alter the trajectory of uh Heisenberg as well. I don't know that, that Walt ever really becomes Heisenberg. The show suffers for it. Oh well, <laughs> the show ends, yeah. We we lose because of well, I mean it's it would have been an interesting like two season arc. To do like the rise of Heisenberg right as he takes out Tuco and then he gets caught and it's the resolution where he works out and everybody has a happy ending. Huh. That's a different, very different, less popular, obviously, show. And I, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not advocating for, for the Villigan doing that. But sure. No, I don't think that this was always, you know, Gene Hackman from the French Connection that he was out to get him from the beginning. It's yeah, definitely, I think... The super lab and the lab notebook and the death of Gale. That seems where it's it really became personal for him. Involved in it, yeah. Sure. And then, you know, as he found out how deep that betrayal goes. But before then, I'm trying to think when was the point of no return? Like, even when Hank got shot up by the drug dealers, that necessarily, like, if Hank had come clean and been like, ah, maybe it's too late then. It's probably too late. Yeah, it's like like the perfect time to come clean was when Hank kills Tuco, right? Is that the last time that Hank, yes. that, that that Walt could have honestly gone and I'm, said this? I, yeah. I'm in over my head, Hank. I'm sorry. I didn't mean for this to happen. I'm trying to think of what's going on around that in the timeline. Because after that, because of that, Hank gets the the call up to the big leagues. Yeah. Which forever alters him as a human being. That's like almost too late after that. It's too late after that, yeah. So uh, I, I think it might be right after he kills Tuco, yeah. Right. So no. Well, anyway, you, like you stand up in the desert. It's an instead interest- of creeping off with Jesse, you stand up. You put your hands up. Don't shoot me. Don't shoot me, Hank. I got something to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Or if he just come and like throwing himself at Hank's, like thank God, you know. Or I don't. I don't know. 
Maybe even then that's too late because he's already yeah. got his life on the line. I don't, but it's an interesting what if. Yeah, but Hank at that point is a hero, so he might be like more yeah. likely to write it off and say, well, some good came to my career from this, so... I wonder if it had no, been interesting. I don't know. Another what if that might be fun to play next season is like, what if Walt had been honest with Skyler from the beginning? Oh man, because Ooh, like when they're sitting on the couch and he says, "What if that were me?" Yeah, because I mean, she's already got like a Carmen Soprano. She ends up in the kind of a Carmen Soprano yeah. type role anyway. Uh, I, but I don't know. Season one, Skyler would have been like, "Are you an idiot? Take Elliot's money." Yeah, she wouldn't have stood for it. I don't think. Yeah. But once he's already in too deep to back out, then she has no choice but to either ditch him completely, which she tries to for a little while, or go oh. along with him. Yeah, but push comes to shove. Even that Walt at his worst, she couldn't bring herself to leave him. Yeah. So, and, I, I, and he wasn't at his worst yet. So if he had been like, look, I'm cooking. You can either get on board or not, but unless you're willing to turn me into the police and do all the things that you've unwilling to do in season three on... It, that'd be kind of interesting too. Anyway, yeah. that might be a subject for another podcast when we get sure. bored in the spoiler section. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I don't know what exactly I expected to get out of the rewatch, but honestly, the reaction and uh, the success we've had is is exceeded my expectations. Yeah. So thank you for that. We'll definitely be back for season two, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. I hope you guys don't hate me too much. Now we're in the spoiler section. I have a big problem with the. With the the plane crash, yeah, no, I think this this people, is the fishnado moment for me. <laughs> anyone who listened to seasons four and five knows your opinion on season two's ending, right? But I, it's 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 going to be rough uh, watching it again, and we're probably podcasting on it. But just remember, everything works out well. I love the show. <laughs> One of my it's in my top two. I, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely. It's in my top two. I I yeah. just don't know without rewatching the wire and finishing that podcast. Yeah, I watched a, a documentary with David Simon last night. Yeah. Made me want to go rewatch The Wire with a little more critical eye for its commentary, its societal commentary. Oh, don't think you're getting out of this Wire podcast without uh, uh, rewatching it. Okay. You All might right. not be in every one, but you're going to you're going to have to get the <laughs> up up to your eyeballs in The Wire. So, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm ready for it. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks again. We'll see you back in November. Uh, shit, we forgot to talk about the other things we're doing. Uh, we got the Boardwalk Empire. If you want to follow us on to that, uh, our buddies Eric and Jesse and Levi are doing the Gotham Blotter for us. Do you want me to re-record this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's put this where it belongs. All right, well, anyway, thanks for coming on the ride. Uh, hope to see you over on the uh, – Jesus. Oh, let's try it again. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming along with us on the ride. I hope to see you back in November. Hope to see you on our Boardwalk Empire coverage and uh, starting up American Horror Freak Show in a week or two. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you.